Your word is the power that you have to create, not just a sound or a written symbol. The word is the most powerful tool you have as a human. It is the tool of magic. But like a sword with two edges, your word can create the most beautiful dream or destroy everything around you. Your word can set you free or enslave you even more than you know. All the magic you possess is based on your word. Your word is pure magic, and misuse of your word is black magic. So says Dom Miguel Luis. When we make mistakes, I could never do that. She would go completely wacko on me, Joe said to me one night. It was a Wednesday night because that was Joe's night out. And Joe would complain about everything Sherry did to him, never considering what he wanted, doing her own thing in her own way, arguing with him, ignoring him, paying no attention to the way he felt, and did it all day, almost every day, said Joe. That was about 25 years ago. And yes, I must admit it, I was tending bar at that time. I had a day job, but I enjoyed bartending. I liked to meet the people, hear what they had to say, even Joe, even Joe. Joe helped me develop my listening skills. Sherry helped me develop listening skills, too. Because on Tuesday night, Sherry's night out, she would complain about everything Joe did to her, never considering what she wanted, doing his own thing in his own way, arguing with her, ignoring her, paying no attention to the way she felt. And Joe did it all day, almost every day. So said Sherry. Now, Sherry and Joe dumped a bellyful of injustice on me, each so focused on unmet needs that they lacked any concern for the needs of their spouse. That was easy to see. And I found so many mistakes here, like failing to listen, like choosing to ignore, lacking empathy, telling me and a few others too, instead of talking with each other, ruling out an honest and open and loving conversation. So now, before we proceed with when we make mistakes, we must pause. And we must pause because you hardly know me, I just arrived here, and I'm getting to know you, and, but I have not shared my theology with you. Yet, I know there's a skill set, a spiritually healing and uplifting skill set 
has been designed to improve people's relationships with the world and with those around them, and that I wish to share with you. And I do it knowing this might not work. I don't know you that well yet, nor you me. But here we are gathered in a Unitarian Universalist church, a church of freedom, a church where we look at our life, this life right here, this right now, right here life. And we know that Unitarian Universalists explore many spiritual pathways, as do I. It's one of the things I like doing. It's one of the things that brought me to ministry. I mean, must definitely confess that to you. And that may be why, given this ability to look in different directions, during these last few weeks I have shared words and instructions from Rumi and the Sufis, from David Corton, an ecobiologist and author, and Edward Markham, a universalist who wrote poetry. And I have offered messages like live love and love living and answering the call of love. My meetings with you have filled my days recently, and I have loved everyone I have met. You are good people. I know it. I know it in my heart. You come to worship and you are engaged in the life of this church with good people. And given all of that, I'm hoping and praying that we can look together at the writings of Don Miguel Ruiz, a Toltec shaman. A Toltec shaman who not only is willing to look at life from the way he sees it, but is also able to focus on the one word that has driven almost everything I've shared with you in my first two months here, the power of love. Now, Ruiz was once a U.S. physician, but he returned to his home, and he heard the words of his shaman grandmother, and that led him to write The Four Agreements. This book points toward a better life, a life lived and filled and exuding the power of love. But he pursues love by noticing the obverse of love, that many cannot find a better life because they are linked to a vexing, distressing, disconcerting, and embarrassing dream that guides them, an inner dream, an inner dream. We all have dreams. Let me tell you about a young man who went to a fortune teller. She asked him, what is your dream, young man? What do you want to do with your life? He said, I want to become a writer. Oh, I want to become a great writer, he said. How do you define great? 
I want to write things that the whole world will read, things people will react to on an emotional level, things that will make them scream, cry, wail, howl in pain, desperation, and anger. And the psychic said it will be so. And that man achieved his dream. He's the person who writes the error messages for Microsoft. <laughs> been there. By contrast, Ruiz looks at an inner dream, the inner dreams of people that are developed in childhood. He writes, children believe everything adults say. We agree with them and our faith is so strong that this belief system controls our whole dream of life. We can't choose these beliefs. We may have rebelled against them even, but we were not strong enough to win the rebellion. The result is surrender to the beliefs by agreement. Agreement, an important word to him. Agreement to the teachings of parents, teachers, and mentors. I call this process the domestication of humans. The mental state that people have in their childhood is governed by emotion, and Ruiz offers two emotional choices. One is fear, the other is love. Now, there are several emotions affiliated with fear, like anger, hatred, jealousy, and envy. You can see they're tied to fear. Judgment and hypocrisy, blame, guilt, and gossip, sadness, self-rejection, and denial, addiction, revenge, and violence in the street are all associated with fear. Now these fears, and however they are worked out for people as individuals, are with us because we grew up with a fear. We might have been denied a reward by our parents. Any hands on that one? We could also be hurt by our parents or someone else. This leads people, it leads you and I too, to build up barriers for our self-protection. And we carry those barriers around with us. Yesterday, I went to a workshop at East Shore on right relationships. It was really a tremendous workshop led by Lee Moonwa. And Lee Moonwa told a story about a time when he was in junior high and he wanted to become the president of his class, so he went in to see his teacher. And he talked to his teacher uh, about his desire to become class president. And Lee Moonwa is, I believe, I'm not certain, of Chinese heritage. And although raised in the United States. But the teacher looked at him and said, 
and let everything spin through the teacher's head. It says, oh, Asians, they might be good at math or good at something else. So the teacher said to Lee, why don't you think about becoming the president of the chess club or the math club? And Lee walked away from that meeting, carrying on him the burden that he was good enough for chess club or math club, but not to be president of the class. And he recalled that and shared that story yesterday. Now this was not an isolated event. It happened within a larger context because the fear of reward denial and being hurt encircles our globe. It affects everyone. It's been adopted into all our laws, our religions, our cultures, and ways of life. We hear, see, and feel these societal signals. We cannot help it. And those signals fill our minds to overflowing with, says Ruiz, a thousand voices. The ongoing voice, all of them talking at once. And I must admit to you that I know I hear some chattering in my head, and I'm willing to admit that, very willing to admit that, but I don't know about you. Do you hear some mental chatter as well? Let's take a moment, let's find out. Is there an ongoing stream of thinking that runs through your mind? If so, could you take a moment and let's take two moments, and I have my timer here, and describe some of those thoughts to the person next to you. And let's be honest, and if it must be confidential, we'll keep it confidential, but let's find someone next to you and let's share uh, what things you think about and spend quite a bit of time thinking about and being concerned about. I'm gonna set it to one minute and find somebody, you have 10 seconds to find somebody to visit with. <laughs> I'll just turn around and go to the other person and share something that you think about. And if you don't, think you are thinking about or you don't have anything to share with anybody, just sit back and consider for a minute and see if you are really and truly not thinking. But uh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> The Buddhists refer to that streaming thought as the monkey mind. The Toltecs call it the metote, metote. So to this point, you have heard that fear is one of the two emotions we are exposed to in childhood. In addition that our metote holds these fears and keeps many of us on a track carried forward from our childhood. Too many of us. Ruiz says 95% of us are governed by the emotions of fear we carried from our childhood. And this leads us to the next step. We all make 
mistakes. Everything done under fear's influence leads to a mistake. Think about it. Anger might land one in jail. Jealousy drives people nuts. Hatred leads nowhere good. And gossip sows confusion. Even sadness, guilt, and denial, three entirely different emotions, undermine our being able to act up to our best self. As Ruiz says, agreements based on our fears require us to expend a lot of energy. By contrast, agreements that come from love help us conserve energy and even gain extra energy. These are the four agreements that the Toltec wisdom tradition says will lead us toward love and belovedness. Be impeccable with their word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. And always do your best. It would be wonderful to just adopt these agreements and do them, but it takes practice. Says Ruiz, you need a very strong will in order to adopt the four agreements. But if you can begin to live your life with these agreements, the transformation in your life will be amazing. The drama of hell will disappear right before your very eyes. Instead of leaving, living in a dream of hell, you will create a new dream, your personal dream of heaven. There is a process, a good you-you word. We use it in process theology. There is a process to follow in order to adopt a new set of agreements. I think it involves the development of a new skill set, and the upcoming adult RE classes on the four agreements will allow us to work together to help develop a new tool or skill set or different approach to our lives. There's not enough time to discuss each agreement, but we should consider at least one, and the one that calls to me today is don't take anything personally. In this section, you find even the opinions you have about yourself are not necessarily true. Therefore, you don't need to listen, take what you hear in your own mind from others personally. You also don't need to be wounded by words spoken to you. Again, I quote, if somebody gives you an opinion like, hey, you look fat, don't take it personally. Because the truth is this person is dealing with his or her own feelings, beliefs, and opinions, right? They have to be. That person tried to send poison to you. And if you take it personally, then you take that poison and it becomes your poison. Taking things personally makes you easy prey for these predators, these black magicians. They can hook you easily with one little opinion and feed whatever poison they want. And because you take it personally, you eat it up. Now with this world of ours being as mixed up as it is, 
does not take much imagination to realize that even the most well-meaning of people could say something that upsets you or say something they do not really mean or that they meant once but do not mean anymore or that they have a headache. Who knows? Don't take it personally. This is not your concern. In closing, let's return again to Sherry and Joe. Full of themselves, spinning in their matote tornadoes, a stream of fear-tinged concerns led them, sadly, to a lack of love. I do not know what happened to them in their childhood. I never asked, perhaps I should have, but whatever it was had not led to any love or belovedness that was apparent to those around them. But this is not really about them. It's not really for them that I told the story. It is about many people we meet, those who feel any slight from partners, friends, workmates, or congregants, who feel them and take them personally throwing them up to their matote, if we can use that word. By contrast, there are also other people, those whose lives are steeped in love. There are those who have turned toward belovedness, making a conscious and committed orientation toward loving, moving continually toward a greater and greater love for others and appreciation of this life. And once these people began to relish the joy around them, they are moved to continued aim for more of the same. With a set direction for living, turning love from a word on a page into an action for life, an action for oneself, one's family, for one's friends and one's community, nation, and world. And this, my dear friends at North Lake, is something that will never be fully obtained, can never be fully obtained, but is always a work in progress. With your participation and your blessing, May we work together to find a way to walk this path together. May the love in your hearts bring forth love in the hearts of those around you. Amen. Amen. So be it. Namaste. Namaste.